one of the uh, one of the benefits of doing uh, these are called topical sermons, right? Uh, topical sermons in which um, I deal with uh, one a large issue over a period of time. Uh, one of the benefits of doing this is that <clears throat> it has a tendency to dig into our souls. Uh, you know how it is sometimes from Sunday to Sunday you hear a message, and then the next Sunday you're on to another message. But now somehow uh, when God deals with us topically, uh, he is digging and he's digging and he's digging again and again at the same old thing. And what he's trying to get us to, he's trying to get us to a point of freedom. Right? This is why sometimes some people, they see counselors. Uh, they see counselors, some people, for years. Why? Because that counselor is trying to deal with one main issue. Uh, that counselor is trying to get at one thing, and oftentimes it takes multiple ex exposures in different ways in order to uh, bring freedom to that individual. Well, uh, counselors and psychologists and so on and so forth, uh, they're not new to this game because uh, the Lord has been at this game from day one. God has been at this game from day one in order to move us to a place in which we can ultimately be free in our hearts and minds. So God wants us to overcome insecurity in our life. But we, you, I, we must engage in his word. We must take what God uh, has to say to us and we must apply it to our life and not ignore God's word. So God wants us to overcome insecurity. Today's message is called Overcoming Insecurity When, and this is part five, by the way, not part four, uh, overcoming insecurity when the future overwhelms us. You know, uh, in one way or another, all of us have become or been overwhelmed by the prospects of our future. You know what I'm talking about? When you think about where you are now and, and, and where we need to be, sometimes it can overwhelm us because we think it is way too much. I remember uh, when I was in seminary last and I looked at the, 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 the course of our program and they had set it out for five years and I'm looking at all this stuff that needed to be done and I was can be honest, I was afraid. I thought that I was going to fail. Why? Because it was just way too much for me. And then when I would talk to a professor, he would ask me the question, you know, when I would tell him the struggle that I would have just thinking about it, and he would ask me a question, how would hindrance, he would say, ask, well, how do you eat an elephant? I'm like, how do you eat an elephant? What the heck is he talking about? I don't know. How do you eat an elephant? He says, one bite at a time. So when we think about our future, and we think about the enormous goal that we have before us, it can overwhelm us. 
And then we get to the other side and we end up saying to ourselves, uh, what was I so stressed out about in the first place? One football player recently uh, here in Chicago, he was not selected in the NFL draft here in Chicago. And he thought that he would come to Chicago, he would be there, and uh, everything was going to be okay, and he would be drafted. He did not get drafted at all. It was done. So if you can imagine, he was concerned about his future. Because as you know, for a lot of professional sports, and a lot of people in other professions, they put their entire heart and they put their entire soul in this profession, hoping that they are going to make it and make it big. So when that door comes slamming right in front of your face, you become anxious. Because now it's like, what am I going to do? Without being selected, he didn't know where he would go. He didn't know what would happen with his life. Well, ultimately, what ended up happening after the draft was over, over with this one particular football player, uh, he uh, ended up uh, being hired as a free agent with the Dallas Cowboys. And then the journalists, they were interviewing him on television, and you could see him about to cry. He was ready to cry. And he was saying, I just want everybody to know. He began to sniff in. I want everybody to know that I'm not going to disappoint them because, you know, this was right, and this is the way it was meant to be. And you could see all the anxiety and the stress that was pent up inside of him. Now it was starting to come out in the way that he was expressing himself. But the vast majority of, of us don't have anxiousness, which is... Uh, so uh, such a, that has such a high profile as the NFL. Nevertheless, we can become anxious. Well, here are a few signs, not all the signs, a few signs that you might be anxious. Number one, you hesitate to act until you are 100% ready. You hesitate to act until you are 100% ready. Uh, you are the individual. You have an intolerance for uncertainty. You want to make sure all your ducks are lined up in a row and that they're not wobbling back and forth before you finally get ready to make a move. You're not one of those persons or people where the ground is shaking and you decided that you're going to go ahead and step out in the first place. So one of the signs of anxiety is you hesitate to act until you're 100% ready. Number two, you obsess about mistakes. You obsess about mistakes. Uh, you, you are so concerned that everything is not perfect. It's kind of related to number one. You're so concerned about everything being perfect that you can't move. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's not right, so you do nothing. It's not right. It's not right, so you do nothing over and over again. The third sign that you are full of anxiety, this is, uh, again, three of many, is that you dread criticism. You hate when, when people criticize you about stuff. And one of the reasons this might be true is simply because you're such a high critic of yourself that you don't need anybody else to tell you you have an issue. You see, 
You criticize yourself. And when someone else criticizes you, or as we call it, constructive criticism, right? Uh, when they have that, you know that that's going to be around in your heart and in your mind for a long time. When someone criticizes you, you're going to carry that forever and ever until God gives you the freedom. So the best thing that you like to do is you don't like to put yourself in a situation where people criticize you. <laughs> well, sure, there are other signs of uh, anxiety in our lives. One sign of anxiety it may be uh, someone that you're talking to, all of a sudden they go off on you. You know what I mean by going off? All of a sudden they just go nuts and you're trying to figure out where is all this coming from? What did I do to you? And then you get mad at them. Next time, the next thing you know, both of you end up fighting. You don't even know why you fight. But we become anxious over many things we don't have control over in the first place. Some have learned uh, these lessons the hard way about anxiety. The knowing about the future and the helpless positions that we can be in and, and the thoughts that how it causes paralysis in our life. Well, in our passage today, Jesus tells us not to worry about things we have no control over, right? Easy for you to say, Jesus. Jesus tells us in our passage today, not to worry about things we have no control over. Well, why should you not worry about things you don't have control over? Why should you not worry? Well, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. One of the reasons that we should not worry about things we have we don't have any control over is because of this simple reason. Jesus commands it. Jesus commands you and I not to obsess about situations. Verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Listening and doing what Jesus says should be important to you if Jesus is important to you. Listening and doing what Jesus says should be important to you if Jesus is important to you. At the beginning of this verse, we read that Jesus commands those listening to him not to be anxious. This was part of the Sermon on the Mount, which actually began all the way back in Matthew chapter 5. And all these people who were following Jesus, they realized that there was something special, right? There was something special about Jesus' message. You see, there are a lot of people all around talking about a lot of religious things walking around with their religious collars on and their robes saying, look at me because I am holier than thou, so you must listen to me. So there are plenty of people walking around saying how holy they are and how you must be holy as well. But when they came to Jesus, they realized that there was something different about Jesus. 
Number one, uh, he was not walking around with those kind of robes on and those hats and all the things dangling off the, his clothes. Uh, that was not Jesus' style. They realized with Jesus that uh, he had something good going on. It is like what the centurion was, for, was referring to about Jesus when he implied that he knew Jesus was a person of what? Authority. He knew that there was something strong about the presence of Jesus. So Jesus comes to us from a point of authority which carries a different weight uh, than uh, that of a boss. Jesus has more weights than your teacher. Jesus, believe it or not, has more weight than your parents. Amen? The weights of Jesus' words has eternal consequences which also affect us here and now. So uh, Jesus is not just concerned about uh, are you saved and are you going to heaven. Jesus is also concerned with how you live your life now. And if you are willing to listen to him now, then the quality of your life will improve. And all that stuff that used to bother you, and all those things that people say, uh, you'll be... Uh, like they used to say about uh, a former president of ours, you'll be like Teflon, right? Uh, people will say things about you and it will slide right on off. You don't have to worry about being anxious because you know that God will have your back. So the command of Jesus is for people, is for you and I, uh, not to be anxious. Well, shouldn't that be enough? That Jesus tells us, don't be anxious, and then, ta-da, we're not anxious. But if you, but, if you are a marginal follower of Jesus Christ, or if you uh, don't follow Jesus Christ at all, uh, you uh, want to know what you're going to get out of this message from Jesus about being anxious. Well, this is not a lesson on morality, right? Uh, some people would use scripture and they try to use scripture only in terms of how you need to live your day-to-day -day life and how you need to associate and fellowship with other people. This word is uh, not just about morality. It's about righteousness. It's about being heavenly-minded. But I want you to understand that the full benefit of what Jesus has to say is found in the redemption, number one, of his people. Know that Jesus delivers. So if you don't know Jesus, understand that uh, the one primary goal for your life, for Jesus, is the redemption of your soul. That Jesus wants to rescue you. But in addition, there is the communication piece for which grows, uh, this communication that grows between you and our Lord. And over time, it gets better and better, and you begin to understand what God requires of you. Amen? So why should you not be worried about things you have no control over? Well, Jesus commands it, and he expects it from you. Jesus commands it, and he expects it of you. The one thing about the commands of the Lord is much like 
when you are told to accomplish the task, right? Someone tells you to do something and you do it, right? And you're not supposed to have, as uh, uh, my mother and father used to tell me, it seemed like all the time, just do what I tell you to do and no back talk. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you tell your kids what to do and they start doing it like, so-and-so-and-so. You turn around as a parent, what did you say? Nothing. And they turn around, so-and-so-and-so-and-so, right? It's like, well, I tell you to do something and you do it. So we follow Jesus Christ and we expect everything to turn out good. We know that in the end it will uh, be the way that the Lord wants so you end up trusting Jesus. You end up trusting his process. Has Jesus been found trustworthy to you? If he has, then it is important that you follow him, even as he directs us to rid ourselves of insecurity and anxiety about our future. But why has anxiety caused such a problem? There are some situations we are confronted with that are real and not pretend. If you have ever found yourself in a place that there is more month left over than money, then you know what I'm talking about. If you have found yourself that you have, uh, are faced with health prospects for the future that endangers the longevity of your life, then you know what I'm talking about. If you are facing retirement one day, but you don't know how you're going to make it once you retire, then you know what I'm talking about. All this creates anxiety in your life. You know that if you're about to get married to someone, and you're like, man, I don't, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Someone that I know very close to me, named David Spencer, that he went through this very same thing, that he was so sure, he was so sure, he was so sure. And then when he reached this point of the day of the wedding, it was like, uh-oh, are you sure you want to do this? And my brothers, would, they asked me the question, you sure you want to do this? And I told them, yeah, I want to do this. This is the right thing. But inside, I was like, Man, am I making a mistake? I was getting anxious about the future because I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen or how it was going to turn out. You see, there are some situations in our life that they are real and they are not pretend. What is anxiety? Anxiety is the nervousness about a possible danger or trouble that we sense coming down the pike. That's what anxiety is. We are considering our future and we are seeing or we think we're seeing the danger down the road. Researchers from the University of California in Berkeley says this. Anxious people are more prone to making bad decisions. Anxious people are more prone to making bad decisions. So look at that. Scientists have finally come uh, in agreement with what the Bible has been saying from the very beginning. Anxiety, when it creates a negative response in us, is no good. It's no good at all. When we become so anxious about certain things, it becomes the focal point of our thinking. Have you ever been there that uh, you're thinking about what could happen in, uh, in the future and that's all that you can think about? Your entire body, and sometimes you even get the shakes when you start thinking about it. Uh, start thinking about what's going to happen. You kind of shiver on the inside because you hate to face it. You hate to come to it face to face. Situations can weigh us down. 
Situations can weigh us down so much that we can't think about anything else. Jesus says, don't make that potential problem the focus of your existence, but he says, spend time with me. Jesus says, don't focus on that thing. He says, focus on me. If you know that you're spending all your time focusing on that thing, then you know you're out of God's will. You are out of God's will if you're focusing more on your troubles than you can focus on the one that solves our troubles. You see, that's it. If we spend all of our time listening to our perceived problems, then we have no time to listen to the Lord. There's no time. Oh, my this hurt. Oh, Lord, oh, what's going to happen down there? And God says, bathe yourself in prayer. Here in this situation, that anxiety-ridden situation, uh, it crowds out our relationship with the Lord, and the Lord does not want that from you or I. So one reason we are not to be troubled about things we have no control over is because why? Jesus commands us not to be anxious. Okay, let's try this again. What's one reason that we should not be anxious about that situation? Why? Let's hear it. Jesus commands it. Simple as that. Uh, the one who created uh, the heavens and the earth. Well, here's the next reason. Here's the next reason. Some of the most fragile creatures aren't concerned about their provisions. Some of the most fragile creatures are not concerned about their provisions. What you're talking about? Matthew chapter 6, verse... 26 now. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep, reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, in other words, used for fuel, will he not much more clothe you? And then he asks this little dig at the end, oh, you of little faith. God determines the length of life for all. God has already decided how long people and his animals will live. As an example, Jesus wants us to consider his birds. All birds, all animals have a particular and a definite lifespan. Did you know that a songbird can live for 10 months? And those pigeons, that they can live for up to six years. And if you know about the albatross, the albatross can live uh, up to 37 years, according to Stanford University. An elephant can live between 27 and 40 years in the wild. 
And then the lifespan of those gray squirrels that you find around your house. I know some of you probably wish they would only live like a couple of days, but they live between 6 to 12 years, if they're lucky. You get to see them grow up with their grandkids all around your house. In all these instances, one thing is true. They have managed to survive with what God has provided for them. Somehow birds manage to live day by day without having to travel by bus, car, or plane. And then uh, they don't have to answer to a supervisor about what they did for eight hours that day. Elephants. The elephants eat two to six hundred pounds of food every single day. Two to six hundred pounds of food every day. And they can drink upwards of 50 gallons of water every single day. But yet they manage to live for 40 years without ever once receiving a paycheck every two weeks. And then those old crazy squirrels, those crazy squirrels, they manage to bury one nut at a time, and they're definitely a nut, over a, a space of about seven acres. And sometimes they kind of forget where they put those nuts at. And that's why we see those squirrels scurrying around the ground. They're going here and they're going there uh, because they said over the course of a year that a squirrel could have buried a thousand nuts. So they're trying to figure out where their food is. Each squirrel can eat two pounds of nuts every single week. But where are they getting this stuff from? Where are the elephants getting their food from? Where are the squirrels getting their nuts from? From Jewel? From Mariano's? When are they going shopping? Are they getting on Pace or Metra in order to go shopping every single day? But somehow, uh, for all of those years, they managed to survive. So God tells us to look at my creatures. Aren't you more valuable than they? Same is true of human beings for you and I. We do know that we can't leave this earth until it's our time. The Lord has already predetermined that uh, that time which is hidden in his own divine sovereignty. All you need, you will be given by God. All that you need, can you consider that? Every single thing that you need will be given to you by God. Uh, it's true, I admit to you, right? You know, we, we live this life and we want things to come at our pace. And so, sometimes there are some things that seem to come slow. But yet, regardless of whether it comes slow or whether it comes fast, uh, most of the people in here, you guys are looking pretty healthy. So if you are looking pretty healthy in this place, that tells me that somehow uh, that God provides food for you. Uh, I know that most of you are not scurrying around your property looking for nuts. And if you did, uh, don't be ashamed. Adam and Eve, they weren't worried. They didn't have refrigeration. But they lived and God provided. And they expected the Lord to provide for them. 
Part of our anxiety, and this is just a matter of fact, is founded on the fact that we mistakenly believe that we provide for ourselves. You see, that's, that's what the problem is, that we think that all that we have is because of me. It's because of I. Yes, I know that you went to school. I know that you got a great education. And you prepared yourself for your interview. And you got a good job. You got good benefits and all the other perks that go along with it. But I want you to know that it is the Lord who opened the doors for you. So every time that you get a raise, you're, you're figuring out that, man, how did I get this raise? Or that you, you get a raise that you don't think you deserve, or better yet, you think you get a raise that you do deserve. Every single time that you get a new job, every single time that you open up those doors to go into your workhouse, every time you come back home and you have a roof over your head, you better believe it's not because of you. You better believe it is because of God sustaining your life. Jesus asked the question, aren't you more valuable than birds? Remember, you were made in the image of God and not birds and elephants and crazy squirrels. You were made in the likeness, in the image of God. You will not be able to add a single second uh, to your lifespan by worrying the way you do. So God, uh, Jesus is telling you to stop worrying about stuff you can't do nothing about. How many of you have actually lived a little bit longer because you worried in the first place? Let, let us know because we want to we see what you're doing. Uh, so if, if you know something, let us know after service today and we'll let the church know next week. You will not be able to fix your problems by worrying more and being more anxious because all uh, that will do is make you more insecure, make you more unstable. Here's another reason why you should not be troubled over things you have no control over. God already knows what you need. God, he already knows what you need. Here we go, verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So God already knows what you need, but I hear someone says, then why should I even pray then and tell him? Because God tells you to pray. That's why. Again, rely on God and not yourself. But I want you to look at this passage, right? Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what, we shall, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? This is not a matter of choice, right? Jesus is not saying, okay, here you go. You have uh, uh, chicken, you have fish, you have beef. Or you have something else, soybean, right? If you are vegan or something like that. Uh, you have tofu, right? Tofu, chicken, a fish, or beef. Jesus in this passage is not saying that people are worried about what they're going to select, like off of a menu. Oh, Lord, I don't know what we're going to have today. Are we going to have chicken? Well, what are we going to have? What are we going to drink? Are we going to drink uh, uh, Evian water? Are we going to drink Fuji water? Or are we going to drink Sam's water? 
Lord, I'm worried. No, that's not what it's talking about. What Jesus is saying here that the people are saying in their minds and their hearts is simply this. We are concerned whether or not if it's going to be there in the future for us when we make it to the future. So we're thinking that when we make it to the future, not that there's going to be a choice for us, but there's nothing going to be there. Well, I know that some of you are concerned about your retirement. You're concerned, you know, hoping that the markets would do right by you. But man, I tell you, it seems like the more that we begin to focus on those things, it seems like it's nothing but a house of cards. Sometimes that we put all of our, when I think about all the people who lost hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars, who saved all their, all their monies in the Enron crisis, remember that? It seemed like it was such a long time ago uh, that everything they had put their hopes and their dreams on this retirement and, and that had been dashed to people and people started killing themselves. Start killing themselves because they were thinking they have no future. But God all along tells us, don't focus on the stuff. Focus on me. So it's not a matter of preference. As to whether they're going to have beans or corn or, or broccoli or mustard greens or whatever you eat. A concern about if anything would be there for them in the future. Hmm. Lord, will there be anything there for me a month from now? A year from now? Ten years from now? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, Jesus says, do not be anxious. But I want to caution you with this, right? I want to caution with you. Some people hear that and they begin to consider in their minds and think to themselves, well, then all I need to do is just think on Jesus and I don't even got to go to work. I'm going to be honest with you. I have known some people like that in the past, you know, that they were so, they were, they were, of course, they were more spiritual than me. Right? And they somehow surmised, looking at this scripture uh, plus some other scripture, and they figured out, well, I really ain't got to do nothing then. But look at this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. I think the end of the verse it says, if anyone or if any man isn't willing to work, what does the rest of that say? I'm curious if you know. Uh, let's try it again, all right? It says, if any person, you notice, no, I want you to look at this. I want everybody to look at this, all right? And I want to ask you this question. And it may say he or man, but this is general. These are general pronouns that, uh, that Paul is speaking here to the Thessalonians, people of Thessaloniki, right? If anyone, basically, does it only mean dads? Does the passage only mean mom? Well, it also means daughter. It also means son. So, what is your job, children, students? That if you 
If you ain't got no job, then your job is to make sure, number one, that you do the chores in your house and you go to school and get your homework done. Because the scripture says, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, then basically I can send you to bed without eating. But I know some of you, you love your children so much, and if they don't get that last meal of the day, they're going to die. So no, we need to give them something. No, we can't. We can't let them go to bed hungry. Right? They are so precious and we love them. Oh, look at them. You know, I know they're sorry. And Dad said, no, you go to bed. Have, have you ever been sent to bed without food before? I remember being sent to bed because not because I didn't do my work, because I didn't like what was on the table. My mother told me one time, well, if you don't like what's there, and I said to myself, I sure don't, and then you just go to bed. And I said, okay, I'm going to bed. And that lasted all of 10 minutes. And after 10 minutes, I was right back downstairs eating that stuff that she told me to eat in the first place. Because I realized that this is here for me. So God says that you must discipline yourself, that you must do certain things if you want to get something out of it. So look, parents, look, don't spoil, spoil these kids. Don't spoil these kids. You make them work. You make them work in the house. I'm telling you. Okay. Here's the other thing. Proverbs chapter 20, uh, 21, verse 5. I want you to know, you, I'm sure you can probably tell all the stories that I tell that my father and my mother, that they raised me right. Boy, that they raised me right. And sometimes they raise me left too. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. <clears throat> what the passage is telling us that don't just wait for God to drop everything in your lap. You better plan, fool. This is what the scripture says. You need to plan. Don't wait for somebody to do something for you. Get up off your rear sum and do something for yourself. Plan for your future. If not, your future is going to be here like a thief in the night. And you're going to find yourself on the street jealous, talking about everybody else. Talking about how everybody has done you wrong. So don't be under the impression that you can throw all caution to the wind. Uh, that is not what Jesus speaks of. You better plan and do the best you can for college, projects at work, job searching, retirement, and any other issue that you may face. And oftentimes understand that it is within uh, the planning that God blesses you. God will probably bless you in your planning. Don't sit around like a stump from a tree. Else uh, what's going to happen to you is going to happen the same thing that happened to the stumps in my yard. That God is just going to grind you down. So the Lord knows about your needs. He says, for the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Everything that you have been praying and been pressing for, know that God understands and he is planning to meet your needs. I don't know how. 
I can't tell you that. I don't know your life, but God certainly knows. But let me ask you this question. How long are you willing to wait before you turn away from the Lord? How long are you willing to wait before you turn away from God? Uh, so what I'm saying is that some people have a predetermined amount of time in their mind that they're going to wait for God to answer their prayer. And if God doesn't answer their prayer by such and such a date, then they believe that God is not even there. So they turn away from God and they turn towards something else. Luke chapter 21, verse 34. Luke 21, 34. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. Uh, this word, it says here, dissipation. Uh, this word dissipation is the dizziness that, that accompanies someone who's been drinking a lot. So the dizziness, you like, in other words, uh, because your, our hearts are sometimes, they're weighed down so much, but it's like, it's like life is like spinning. It's like you're walking around and life is spinning all around you and all you need to say is, you know what, I just need to sit down for a second. There's just so much stuff going on, I can't even keep it still. <laughs> the dizziness, you are drunk with the prospects of anxiety and regular drunkenness here and the cares of this life. But Jesus, he knows your needs, what they are, and he is planning to meet them. The key for us to be patient is for us is to be patient and wait on the Lord while expecting him to come through. In that waiting, we should turn and learn a few things about our Lord and ourselves. Don't waste your time helplessly focusing on your situation, talking about poor old me, oh woe, oh woe is me. The Lord knows you have a major need and he knows what he's going to do for you. But he doesn't want you to become insecure in your situation because, and this is our final point, we are taken care of when we focus on God's kingdom. Verse 33. But seek first, or the King James Version says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And, and, and know that it doesn't just end here, here in the book of Matthew. Seek first the kingdom of God, not just his kingdom, but also seek what? His what? Righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. In other words, God said all those things that you need, I'm going to give it to you. He's not saying all the things that you want. He's not saying all the things. Lord, I remember how years ago all I would do is eat filet mignon. Now all I can afford is cube steak. Lord, and, and, and beans, and how I used to have a, I love beans, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, beans are good, whoever said that the Lord rebukes you, because uh, I want you to know that beans are good and they're good for you. You just, maybe you just need to go to the right house that's cooking them the right way, amen? Seeking God's kingdom and righteousness means that you await your command for the day. 
Oh, Lord, this day, what do you require of me? What is my specific purpose today? Or you may not hear God tell you, today, my son, today, my daughter, I want you to walk out the, 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 the door of your house and witness to 20 people on your block before you finally go to work. No, it may not be that. When you open your heart and you're ready to receive, the Lord will bring those things into your life. Now, I know it's Mother's Day, but the Lord commands they remain in force, even on a day such as this. Trust me, the greatest gift you could present your mom with on this day, and that is to let her know that you are sold out for Jesus Christ. Uh, no, you, you don't want to be sold out just to give a gift. But you want to truly be sold out for Jesus Christ and you tell your mom, or for that matter, even your dad, that I am sold out for Jesus and I bet you any money, every single mom in here, even those who is not your mom, will stand up and applaud you and tell you, go ahead, be sold out for Jesus. They don't want your flowers. They see flowers all the time. But you tell them you sold out for Jesus and you watch them jump up for joy. You watch them sing hallelujah and you watch how they uh, speak about your exploits for the Lord. As you passionately pursue the Lord, you can believe that he is in the process of getting all your needs met. Don't let your future concerns rule your life. Let Jesus. So you should not be troubled about things you have no control over. Why? Number one, Jesus commands it. Number two, the fragile creatures on earth aren't concerned about their future. Number three, the Lord knows what you are in need of. And then, number four, you are taken care of when you focus on God's kingdom. Let's pray.